everyone. Welcome back to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine. Hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. We took a week off because I moved into a new house and then my kids got sick. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, but it was great. And I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday as well. Um, today we have a special episode. It's actually a recording that I did on my last podcast called Water Wednesdays. It's with my old co-host, Allie. And we interview a guest, Mel McElrath. She's the mother of my associate pastor at my old church, and she also mentored me as well and Allie as well. So she has so much wisdom to offer, and I know you're going to love hearing from Mel after a few words from our sponsors. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Cool. Anyway, sorry. Hi, we're recording a <laughs> podcast about other things. No, I love it. Just good friends chatting. It's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, true. but yeah, we have a couple questions for Mel today. We're just gonna um run through them kind of like we do with most of our guests. We're gonna just try to hear her story um of faith and how she became a Christian and um just some thoughts that she has. So Mel, why don't you kick us off with um answering when did you first start identifying yourself as a Christian or um, how did you come to know the Lord? Okay. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. So I had a godly heritage in my family for many, many years. And I think I first identified under the family umbrella of being in a Christian home. That became kind of my identity. I was born like figuratively at the church. I lived figuratively at the church and everything in our home revolved around the church. My parents were also musicians. A part of my father's responsibility was at that time they were called worship pastors. Well, they were called minister of music. Now they're called worship pastors. But so everything that we did was church oriented. And so I just kind of grew up in that framework. And um, my identity as a Christian was this being part of this family in this church family. And I don't think it was till I was a little older that I started realizing that I needed to have this relationship with Jesus uh, on my own. And I needed to make a personal uh, relationship, a personal identification with Christ aside from my family identification as Christians. And I remember I was 10 years old and I was at summer camp uh, in New York State because I lived on the East Coast. I was born and raised on the East Coast. And um, I remember uh, there was a speaker that night and he was talking about 
salvation. He was talking about the gospel and he was asking if anybody wanted to receive Jesus as their personal savior to come down to the front. And, you know, my feet felt like cement, but I felt this tugging in my heart that I needed to go and make Jesus my own. And so I went forward and I don't remember anything about this woman except her name was Stephanie and she was one of the camp counselors there. She might've even been my counselor. I don't even remember. I just remember she took me in another room and she talked with me and she prayed with me. And that was the pivotal moment in my life when I became a Christian. Awesome. That's great. I love the distinction you made between like family, you know, like under the umbrella and then like um, making it personal. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. really good and relatable. And um, yeah, it's very easy to say, well, my family believes, you know, or right. it's definitely something more when it's like, no, I made this decision. Right. Yeah, and I always thought I had, I had an older brother. I have an older brother who's five years older than me. And from the from the moment my brother was born, he knew he was called to be a pastor. So mm. I always had watched like my other brother, my older brother grow up and he was just this amazing just kid who just was spiritually connected from the beginning. And I always thought when I got to be his age, I would be that way. Mm. And then I realized that I'm not going to be that way unless I take this step for myself. Mm. That is pretty cool. Do you feel like, um, so that moment that you had, that was, you know, you said a pivotal moment in your mm-hmm. faith. Um, do you think that that was the turning point for you or was it kind of gradual after that? Or was it? Um, no, I think it was pretty immediate because I knew, I knew all about it. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. lived it. I'd grown up in it, you know, for 10 years, it was talked in my home. It was talked at church. It was, you know, among my friends, my parents, friends. So I knew it was a heart. It was a heart knowledge. I mean, it was a, it was a a brain knowledge uh, that had to move to my heart. So it was intellectual knowledge that had to move the 12 inches or whatever it is down to my heart to make it real for me. And so that's the shift that was pivotal. It became less of, of intellectual knowledge and more heart knowledge. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I always love asking that question because I think it's different for everybody. So right. mm-hmm. yeah, that's special. Um, so leading into our next question, um, Allie and I, we did a recording with Kevin Paberski about God as our father. We did Uh a series about God as um, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and our father. And so we were kind of thinking about it and we were like, maybe we should do kind of like God um, as with like woman characteristics, because we did the father and more of like the male characteristics. Um, And so we're going to kind of focus a little bit on that today. And one of the first questions that we were thinking of was just being image bearers of God. And so I think that's a big pillar of Christianity and something we all kind of learn about and discover as we step into this relationship with God, as you said, Mel, um, is just what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us here on this earth? And I think one of the things it means is that we're to be the image bearers of God to the world. Um, And so 
our next question, something we can all, all three of us unpack. Um, what does it mean for us as Christians to be image bearers of God? It's kind of broad, but what are like some first thoughts that you guys have? Uh, what first, yeah. Go ahead, Allie. <laughs> no, I was going to say, go Take ahead. Away. <laughs> oh, um, I was just going to say that I think being an image bearer, being a bearer, being um, uh, identifying with God, his characteristics, his personality, um, those things that we reflect his heart in, um, love, kindness, grace, forgiveness. I mean, the list is, you know, it never ends. And um, I think that that's how others come to know what God is all about, not just through his word, but how we as believers live our lives uh, reflecting those characteristics and those uh, those parts of God, those personality parts of God and aspects of his nature. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for me, when thinking about this question, I uh, took it back to um, like creation and being created in his image. Um, there's a phrase, Imago Dei, which is that mm -hmm. we're, you know, created in the likeness of God and we're created like different than the animals. I was just listening to a sermon by Matt Chandler from the Village Church down in Texas, and I didn't realize this before, but in Hebrew, in Genesis, God's like, let there be light, let there be. There's like this rhythm of let there be, let there be. And then there's this turning point where he's like, let us make. Like, it changes for emphasis that like, he made us. Like, I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it's like a shift in relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and I like that when he says, let us make, he's saying, he says, after our likeness. Mm -hmm. So um, it's so cool thinking that we could be somehow um, some sort of image to our perfect father who's amazing and awesome and holy like how 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 could we in any sense reflect that it's mm -hmm. really cool thinking about it mm -hmm. yeah this was a big this was a big question and to truth be told it was it is a bit daunting to me um and i just i don't know as i've been thinking about it and praying about it and doing a lot of reading it's like the more i read the more the bigger it became <laughs> and it's like, I, I could never like, like wrap my arms around this concept. And, but I talked to quite a few people who I respect uh, on this subject. And it was interesting to me that um, I think Kevin talked about, like, did he talk about some specific uh, roles that maybe men have with this image bearing idea? Um, I did listen to his podcast, but I don't really remember all of it. But I do think that there are specific things that maybe women, well, am I getting into the next question a little bit? Sorry if I Take am. it no, away. Come on, okay. get it. Let's go. <laughs> that maybe women um, maybe characterize um, maybe more, a little bit more than men do. And when Eve was, when God made Eve, he made her to fill the void of relationship to Adam that no mm -hmm. other aspect of his creation could do. Mm -hmm. And she just brought something to him that, that number one, he was like, hubba hubba. And, 
And number two, she like filled this, this void in his life and his heart that, that no other aspect of creation could do because she was relational. She was alive. She was like him. And um, I think that as women, as Christian women, that that is an area that God has called us to is relationship. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you see it in all different ways. You see it in a marriage relationship. Um, I feel like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. Um, this is not dissing my husband, but I feel like I am much more relational in our relationship than sometimes Jerry tends to be. Jerry tends to be more, um, oh, kind of statistical and kind of, you know, he's practical and he kind of, sometimes I wish he had that more heartfelt, you know, emotion kind of quality. And he does, but I think for women, it's much different. I feel like we feel deeper. Uh, we can empathize a little deeper. I'm not qualifying this for all women and for all men, but in my experience, this is what I have seen. And I think that that is something that just God has put in our makeup and in our hearts to be this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I completely agree, agree with that. Me too. I think a lot of women <laughs> are probably nodding their heads at that because I think that definitely mm -hmm. is something that is characteristic of women. Um, mm -hmm. I actually wrote that down as well um, as being a characteristic of God that we as women specifically reflect was just this nurturing, caring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have an affinity towards comforting um, gathering with relational tenderness and a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just very, very common of women. And I mean, obviously it looks different in all of us. We're all unique and have different personalities, but I think that is something that um, tends to be very characteristic. And I actually found some cool verses too. I'll just spit a couple of these out. But um, so in Isaiah 66, 13, it says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Um, that's God talking. So there's that comforting side. Um, Hosea 13, eight says like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the mama bear side of God, I guess, but it's like protective. Like I care about you. I mm -hmm. want to protect you. Um, and then I liked this one in Luke 13, 34, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that gathering with relational tenderness, like I was talking about. Um, so I do think it is something that's very unique to women and something that um, we can cultivate within ourselves. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. And after we hear from our sponsors, we will be back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was thinking about it too, uh, just thinking about like Jesus um, on, in this time here on earth, the compassion he had for people. I feel like that's something that we as women, I'm sure men hold it as well. But I think the ability to walk into a room and see what someone like needs or, you know, just like you said, and I'll be able to empathize, um, you know, whether it's from a place of comfort or something like that. I feel like we can be more relational and relatable, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I just think there's maybe a little more emotional sensitivity um, and, and an ability to connect with emotions. Now, I think men and women have the same kinds of emotions. They have, we have the same kinds of emotional needs. We just reflect them differently and we exhibit them differently. We interact mm -hmm. with them differently too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually stumbled across a meme this morning um, and I almost like saved it to my phone because I thought it was so funny, but it was a text message between um, a guy and a girl. I don't know if they're dating or married or whatever, but um, she sent him a text that said, my shawarma wrap fell apart. And his <laughs> response was, oh no, are we in the feeling stage of this or are we feeling solutions oriented? <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's trained so well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was really empathetic. Yeah. Sympathetic. Sometimes you want, you're looking for a solution, which is oftentimes what men want to provide. But sometimes right. you just want them just to say, oh, that stinks or like, you know, just sit with you in the emotion. Right. Right. That's, Let's that's get you another one would have been what I would want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Let me fix that for Solutions you. Solutions oriented. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of building off our last uh, question. So we see God's character as our father, um, as it's mentioned so much in the Bible. Um, but as we said before, both men and women bear the image of God. So are there any characteristics of God that you find is reflected through motherhood? Let's just do the exact opposite of fatherhood, which is motherhood. Um, you're a mother, Mel, so kind of through your perspective, what are the characteristics of God that you see reflected through motherhood? And we can also touch on spiritual motherhood as well. Mm -hmm. How long do we have for this particular question? Because <laughs> I think out of all of them, this was my favorite. As okay, long good. as you want. Um, <laughs> I really see that motherhood and spiritual motherhood are so much the same. They're so connected because the things that you try to teach your children or try to model for them uh, align so well with spiritual motherhood as well. You know, you, you have a sacrificial love for your kids. You want to teach them and model forgiveness. You want to extend grace. You, and maybe this one right here would be a little bit different for the spiritual motherhood, but you discipline your children um, to teach them and to correct them. And in spiritual motherhood, I think that looks a little differently because uh, number one, they're not, you know, they're not your physical blood child. So you don't have liberties to do that quite as much uh, with a spiritual daughter uh, that you might with your own daughter or son. But definitely uh, teaching boundaries, being available and being present, um, nurturing, um, encouraging and supporting, creating space for growth and maturity, um, and gently pushing or sometimes not gently, sometimes pushing a little harder um, to try new things and develop skills. And um, somebody else said this, so I want to give them credit for it. But um, pushing them not in our direction, but in God's direction. Mm. Um, reaffirming, reaffirming their identity, um, both in the physical family, but also in God's family, and helping them to identify their 
um, their giftings and their spiritual gifts and their passions um, or something maybe more in a negative in their life that you're seeing that God calls you to address or you feel like God's calling you to address in a very gentle manner. Um, I think one of the difference between motherhood and spiritual motherhood is that you're always trying to teach your kid, I shouldn't say that, your child, sorry. You're always trying to teach your child uh, to be independent. Um, but in spiritual motherhood, and this touches over in your, in your physical children as well, you're teaching them to be dependent on wow. Jesus on God. You want that shift of, of independence, but yet in a spiritual, in a spiritual world, you want them to be dependent on Jesus and on their faith and on God. And that to me is just, uh, that's a challenge. And that's a huge challenge, both for your physical children and for your spiritual children. And really for your spiritual children, the way that you get spiritual children is that you are modeling a life of Jesus and you are leading them to Jesus, to where they make that relationship their own. And I think from a mom's perspective, looking back, you want to help your children look forward. Mm. I love that. I love what you said about the kind of the balance between you're trying to train your child to be independent their whole life, but in the spiritual sense, you're right. They have to be dependent. And so that's gotta be maybe tricky to, to teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it has to be modeled. I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like if you're not modeling that, that's a concept that is, is going to be harder to maybe uh, see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So, and I also think that, for, for both spiritual motherhood and physical motherhood, you, you want to bring a biblical perspective to uh, the arena so that if you are modeling this mm, Christian motherhood, spiritual motherhood, you want to always sift everything through the word of God because that is the true north. That is your point and that is your center that you're moving from. Um, Psalm 145, four says one generation will declare your works to the next. And I was thinking about some, uh, examples of spiritual mentoring and I thought of Naomi and Ruth. Now mm. Ruth became Naomi's daughter-in-law. Um, and when they, they moved from the land that Ruth had grown up in, which was not a Christian culture, but they mm -hmm. moved back to Israel uh, to I think no, I don't even know if it was Jerusalem, but they they moved back Bethlehem. to Israel. It was what Bethlehem. Yeah, Bethlehem. Okay, and um, Naomi was teaching Ruth the ropes. She was teaching her the culture. She was teaching her the Jewish ways. She was mm -hmm. teaching her about you know what it looks like to be a daughter of the king. And um, I just thought that was a really cool, not only was it kind of like a mother-daughter because Ruth was taken away from her family, um, but it was a, it was a, a spiritual mothering mm -hmm. as well. And of course, we know what happened with Ruth and she married Boaz and then 
the line of David came through her and all of that. But um, I also think that a mentor or a spiritual mom can only take someone as far as they have gone. So that's why it's important for a spiritual mama to keep learning and growing and maturing in her faith. And, and because she can only take that daughter as far as she herself has gone. Mm, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And I love that you're kind of using spiritual mother and mentor like interchangeably. Do you see those as the same or where are they, are they different or what do you think? Um, I think they're a little different because obviously uh, a spiritual daughter might not be privy to all of the familiar things that a a physical son or daughter would be. You know, they might not have your history of the of your family. They might not know things about you that your son or daughter would know that might uh, have a bearing on why you do certain things or why you feel certain things or believe certain things. Um, and I also feel like the spiritual mothering is more centered around the spiritual daughter than the daughter being centered around the spiritual mother. I feel like as a, as a spiritual mentor, I'm coming alongside of, okay, we're just going to pick either one of you. I'm coming alongside of you to kind of nurture you and support you and encourage you on the road that I might have already walked or mm -hmm. I'm looking back on, but I'm trying to help you see moving forward. Um, so it's not that I can't learn from my spiritual daughters. I do. I learn a ton, but I feel like my impact on your life and my influence on your life is more what how I can help step in and encourage you and kind of hold your hand for support mm -hmm. as you're moving and you're growing forward. Yeah. Like it can be subjective to the person that like yes. needs the, the shepherd. Yes. And it can be, it can be spiritual in nature or not. You know, mm -hmm. there, there are lots of things in our lives that don't necessarily uh, have a spiritual undertone. Although I will say as a believer, I feel like your spiritual uh, maturity and your faith, that shadows everything. That covers everything. Everything comes under the umbrella and filtered through a spiritual lens. Mm -hmm. If you are a believer who's pursuing daily the kingdom of Christ. Mm -hmm. mm, love that. Yeah, so we've kind of already touched on like what spiritual motherhood means to you. I think you give us so many little goodies there. Um, but how, I guess more on a more personal level, how have you seen that work play out in your own life? Um, just the mentoring and spiritual motherhood. So when I was thinking about this, when I was growing up, that whole mentoring concept was not really something that was like talked about a lot or um, I just didn't hear it a lot. Maybe it was happening, but I was not aware of it. But I will say that my mom had some very good friends that always took an interest in me. And I wouldn't say they mentored me because we didn't spend like every Tuesday at five o'clock together. But <laughs> I, I watched them. I watched how they lived out their lives in a very godly way. 
And mm -hmm. I watched my mom relate to these women in not just a friendship way, but a spiritual friendship way. And they would pray for me and they would ask me how I was doing and what I was thinking about, or they would um, give me things to read that they thought I might be interested in. They, they took an interest in me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And um, I remember when I was going off to college my freshman year, one of my mom's friends said to me, Mel, I will pray for you every Wednesday at six o'clock. And you know what? 30, 40 years later, I still remember Beth saying that to me. Now, it wasn't anything that was, you know, like such a big deal, but to me, I was on her radar at least every Wednesday at six o'clock. And I knew that she was praying for me. And that to me uh, really influenced me. And that obviously meant a lot to me because it has stuck with me all these years. Um, so that was my kind of experience with, you know, quote unquote mentoring when I was growing up. Um, I forget the second part of that question, Catherine. Um, just how it's impacted your life. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I tend to be a really relational person anyway, so um, I'm all about relationship. And maybe that had an, you know, maybe that had a little influence in that. But I think that I just tend to be that way. That's how God made me. But so I see the importance of of having relationships with younger women. And I'm always asking God. I want to be available, and I want Him to bring women into my sphere if my circle if that's what he chooses for me to step into and i'm just so thankful that god has done that he has brought me amazing women to to be a part of their journey and i don't take that lightly and i don't take that uh, with a grain of salt either i take that very seriously and i'm honored to do that and i'm thankful that God uses me in that capacity. Uh, at least I think he does. And um, I have learned so much from these relationships. And I have, I have women my own age in my life that, that are like iron sharpening iron. And um, we mentor each other in a sense of we encourage each other and we support each other along the way. Um, you know, our, our children are older and they're getting married. Well, I hope I hope mine's getting married sometime soon. Um, but, you know, we're walking together on this journey of life. And everybody needs that, no matter how old you are, whether you're five years old or whether you're 35 years old or whether you're 85 years old. We all need each other because we're better together. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Um, I know we're running out of time. We have like five minutes left. So, um, just to kind of wrap us up, do you have any um, encouragement that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I don't know, in light of this conversation or just with what's going on in society lately, like what's some encouragement that you would love to leave people with? Oh, goodness. Well, um, I actually read a devotional this week that has been kind of running through my brain, and it was called The Ripple Effect. And it was based on Philippians 3.17. And it says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. We are always, we are always being example to somebody. Someone is always watching us. 
They're watching how we interact with each other. They're watching how we handle challenging and difficult things that come into our lives. They're watching how we think through a problem and how we, how we work to solve it. Um, and this ripple effect, I think, is really a cool analogy of, of living our life, especially in a godly way, because we never know how we're going to affect someone else by our actions or our speech or our prayers or how we encourage someone else and how the spirit works in us the spirit can work in somebody else and i just think that's a cool effect that it's not we don't we're not isolated in our community but we have an effect in our community and we want to make sure that those ripple those patterns those ripple of waves or the little um I don't know, the things when you throw a stone in the water and they just kind of go, we want to make sure we're modeling that well. We want to make mm -hmm. sure that we're, we're living a life that's pleasing to God and that we're emulating and reflecting God's character and that we're loving well and that we're extending grace and that we're forgiving. And because this all has an effect in the circle that we live in and in our community. And we will never know the effect of mm -hmm. that in someone else's life. And I guess that's what I would want to leave with you ladies today, that it's not just about spiritual mentoring or motherhood, spiritual motherhood, but it's every action of our lives touches a chord that vibrates in eternity. And that was written by Edwin Chapin. And I loved that quote. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just got chills. That was awesome. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like it does tie into everything we talked about too. So yeah. just thank you. I feel, I feel encouraged this morning, just having this conversation with you. Um, yeah, I feel, and I love, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Filling up your soul. I love it. Yeah. Um, I love that you brought Ruth and Naomi into this conversation. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, and I just really love like, like you said, their dynamic, their relationship, the way that Ruth learned. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure when they moved, when they left Bethlehem to go, you know, to Moab, they weren't like, when you think about the ripple effect, like that maybe wasn't the right decision. Like they left the land they were in, mm -hmm. but like, look at, look at what happened because of it. Even if it was right. the wrong decision at the time, like people yeah. are watching you, people are watching the decisions you make. And even if it's wrong, owning it and apologizing and, you know, even asking right. for forgiveness where we should be, you know, forgiving at the same time. I don't know. Like that's just all kind of wild. And, um, I love that. That's that all, that's all really good stuff. Yeah. And I think we're, we're all connected in a sense, you know, yeah. we all need each other. There's nobody that maybe they say they don't need somebody, but man, I'll tell you, it sure is, makes life easier to walk through with, with support and encouragement. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Sparkle Speak. As always, don't forget to rate us, give us um, some stars, and leave a comment in our notes. It helps promote our podcast, and we love when you guys give us some feedback. Also, you can find us at sparklefaith.com or check out our sponsors at lifeaudio.com. You can find our podcast as well as several others that are similar. Have a great week.
I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.